welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I'm Michael. And if you want to learn about the secrets of the universe, the law of attraction, attraction, mysticism, brohood, gambling, movies, pop culture, archangels, magic, good food, business, health, family, and mediumship, smash that subscribe button, hit the thumbs up, press the noti icon, and spread this video around like peanut butter and jelly. So today we have on Peter Panagori, two-time near-death experiencer, pastor, entrepreneur, and best-selling author of Heaven is Beautiful and Two Minutes for God, Quick Fixes for the Spirit. Gosh, thank you for coming on, Peter. Hey, thanks for asking me, Eric. Happy to be here. Hi, Michael. <laughs> Hello, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. I wanted to jump right in. We're huge into mediumships. We have, you know, people that we visit all the time. Our father passed away 2018. Um, we always go to this medium by the name of George Anderson. And that was the, our first medium that we went to after our father died. Now, the first thing that he said to us when he came through, he said that the reunion on the other side was amazing. He said, catching up with family and friends, he says it was so amazing. Indescribable. So, it was indescribable that he wishes we can go to go do that reunion and then come right back to where we are here. Is that something that you experienced in your near death experience? No, <laughs> it wasn't. I did not, but I can say that I've known enough near death experiencers who've talked about that to understand that that is part of the larger rubric of near death experience. My particular near death experience involved going into what I can only describe as the oneness of being where all love existed. And so even though I wasn't in the presence of my predecessor family, my, you know, those who have died before me, my ancestors, mm -hmm. um, I was in the totality, I touched into the totality of love and lacked nothing. So there was no, I, the, and that includes overwhelming joy and celebration of, of, um, coming home again. It was a homecoming for me, for sure. That's what he called it. That's what he called it. He said it was like going home. And our father was a homebody. Like he loved his home. He loved his couch. And I always thought like, you know, when I'm in, when I'm in my bed, this is my home. I'm comfortable. I don't want to be anywhere but here with my wife and children. But then when I heard my dad say, I'm home. It, it, and he said that multiple through multiple mediums. What is the home that we're all supposed to be missing or going to? Well, that's a good question because it it's the opposite of here. So we this it's 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 not so much that this isn't how do I explain this? If you saw the Matrix movies, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And 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 they all go in into the machine and they're in this space. So, uh, that's what this place is like. This world to me. The other world, with a with a capital uh, T and a capital O and a capital W, that's reality. Th with a capital R, this place over here is the the Hindus call it Maya, right. illusion. It doesn't mean it's fake, and it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it's not permanent. The other side has permanence to it. It it, it has a uh, there's no temporality to it. There's no, I had no physicality. I didn't have any molecules, no DNA, no eyeballs, no brain, no, uh, you know, nothing. I was, I was another, and it's impossible to talk about. Okay. So it's always right. in metaphor. I'm always doing the best that I can. So the images that I, that I use are just metaphor. 
So what did you see? Or is well, take us to the beginning? Do you, like, not, do you not see? Hold on, yeah. before he goes there. Yeah, I saw. I saw the the totality of infinity. I I couldn't. I, okay, I, I couldn't see to the end of infinity, but I saw. It's hard to express this. The totality of it was present to me, but it went beyond my sight. And it was, I saw everything, I saw the maker of all things. I saw all intellect, all joy, all knowledge, all understanding, all mathematics, all astronomy, all chemistry, all everything and more. All of it, and all emanating from this one creative power, this one, this one intellect that uh, is self-existent and self-evident. Like I knew where I was when I got there. There was no question in my mind. I, I wondered if I was dead. All right. That I did. I wondered if I was dead, but it was no question about in whose presence I was. It was the, all there is. Were you scared when, when, it, cause like I've had vertigo. The only thing I can think of this is like, I've had vertigo and my world tilted on its axis and it was scary and terrifying because the normal world I was in was going like this. It was, I felt like I was on a cruise ship. When you were in this all presence, this all knowing, was it was it was it vertigo? Was it was it this feeling of of being completely out of control, scared of flying? No, no. It was out of control, but not. I didn't want control. I didn't need control. I, I wasn't up until the moment of my death. It was those things. I was petrified. Right. I'd been, I'd been, I'd been terrified, terrified, not petrified. I wasn't petrified because that means like solid frozen. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, but I was, I was totally, I was totally terrified. Take so, us to the mountain. So how, did you, how, did you, mountain. how did you die? What happened? I, I froze to death. Um, I froze to death. So <laughs> next question. Um, so now it's okay. So it's a long time later and I've done a lot of healing. Um, but there was a long period of time when I first came out of the closet about this that I cried every time I told the story. And I, I, I mostly don't cry anymore. But that's because okay. I've dealt with the trauma of that night was was significantly terrifying. Uh, short story. Uh, for It's a long story, but I'll tell it in a short sort of way. I was ice climbing in Banff Provincial Park, which is in Western Canada on a world famous ice climb. It was my first ice climb. I'd been a mountain climber and a backpacker since I was a kid in the winter. So this is, I wasn't out of my element. I was actually in my element. My One of my favorite places is outside in the middle of the winter doing sporty things. Um, and so I made a mistake in my equipment because I couldn't afford or find two ice axes. So I had an ice ax and a hammer, which is much shorter and not the right tool for the job. And so that setup slowed me down in my climb with my partner, uh, who was a certified lead climber. We got to the top of the climb at sunset. All the other teams that had been climbing that day, there was a dozen other teams maybe, um, and they had all descended and were leaving by the time we sat at the very top of our climb. So, so we're only five or 600 feet up on a sheer cliff with 10,000 feet above us in the middle of March. And when the sun went down, the temperature dropped about 30 degrees and we weren't prepared for overnight. Nobody was prepared for overnight. Nobody was staying overnight. Everybody was a day climb. Mm -hmm. So we were out of food, out of water, and we were wet, you know, cause it, it's a wet kind of sport and sweaty and our temperatures dropped and hypothermia immediately began to set in. And what did that I, feel like? What did that feel like? I was, I, the first thing that happened was I started shaking uncontrollably. Like my body went into palsy, like, like just every single muscle in my body was pulsing. 
And so I was like shifting and my jaw was clattering. And Tim, my climbing partner, he was in the same situation. And the sun went down, it got, it got very black. And I knew because I've been on the, on the uh, National Ski Patrol for since I was in high school, um, what the symptoms of hypothermia were. And I and I, I was, knew what kind of danger we were in. And I told him and Tim was Tim was experienced too, an outdoor uh, winter person. We were both we chose each other as partners. This is our first trip together. Um, and our last, as it turned out, um, because we were both level headed, that was a big, and because we both had complementary skills. And so part of my thing that I brought was wilderness first aid. And so immediately Tim pulled up the rope and, but he pulled it up too fast and didn't lay it right. And it ended up on a 300 foot knot, a big, huge 150 foot rope. And so I had to untangle it and that set us back further. And meanwhile, we're in this situation where our bodies are shaking. My, my gloves are off my hands. I'm sorting through the, the rope in the semi dark cause it's starlit, but there's no light. And we talk about spending the light, the night on the cliff and decide, well, first thing that we decided was we were going to die. It was like, this is a deadly situation and we are going to die. So we might, we could try to survive the night here by snuggling up, canoodling against the face of the ice. Um, which was crazy because we both already had hypothermia so that we had no warmth to share. So we decided that our only chance was to get down and to fight our way down in the dark. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we chose to do. So throughout the night, and I'm going to leave out all the really terrifying stuff that happened in between. And so, uh, suffice it to say that throughout the night, our hypothermia continued to advance as we made it down to the uh, third repel. Uh, and there were all sorts of problems along the way. The night just progressed. And the longer the night went on, the more energy we used, the weaker we became, the deeper the hypothermia set in. And we went through the stages of uh, lack of coordination. Uh, our brains started making uh, poor decisions. Uh, you know how they, like, may I make the separation there because, because uh, I was trying to make good decisions, but my brain was freezing. And so I started making not good decisions. And my lips froze and my feet froze and my hand froze. And I've got, I've got, you know, I had frostbite on all my extremities. Not, you can see, I still have my nose and my chin and my fingertips, but they were all, they were badly damaged. And so I was in a bad state by the time, so was Tim. Um, and I keep pointing over to the left because he was often on my left um, on the climb. And right. so on the last rappel sometime before dawn, we were maybe 150 feet up and hypothermia had advanced. The moon had risen so we could sort of see. And I, I was terrified all night, as I mentioned before. And I found inside myself this great depth of will to survive. I, did, I didn't know that I had it in me, mm -hmm. um, but I found that it was there. And I just kept shoveling, shoveling and shoveling, trying to keep my will going driving myself forward not talking because every time we talked we used up our energy so we were very minimalistic in our communications um so the night progressed we're on this we're on this last ledge and on this particular ledge there were iron pins with rings and carabiners and straps with carabiners i was hooked into the mountain and tim was hooked into the mountain permanent structure and i took the rope which I was the last one down on this rappel and I tied it off to my harness, took the other end and I tossed it off to go out around this crag like this face and, and began to pull it in and it, it just jammed on the first pull and it, I couldn't get it out. You know, maybe there's some V rock and it kind of mm -hmm. snugged right in there and, 
And then I couldn't get it free and I, and Tim couldn't help me and hypothermia continued to advance. And it, it got to the stage where I knew I, uh, for, if the first thing that happened was that I got hot. And so I unzipped my coat, even though I knew better. And it was only a thin coat. It wasn't like we're, it was, it was a layer of insulation, but it mm -hmm. was a, it was a shell, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I couldn't take all the rest of my gear off, but mm -hmm. so I unzipped my coat and I felt like all the heat had rushed to my chest to save my heart. I remember thinking, oh, my body's trying to save my heart. I need my heart and my brain. Um, and, and that's so why I, but I got really hot and I unzipped my coat and, um, and then I remembered having this decision of, oh my God, I am going to die here. There's like no way I can get out of this now. I'm at this stage of hypothermia. I can't get the rope free. The only way down is 150 feet straight down. If we, you know, we'll die if we jump, I'm stuck. And so I had this sort of acceptance come to me. I was like, oh, okay. That's the way it is. And so I started thinking about my family and God and, and then I started falling asleep. I fell asleep a bunch of times, crunched down on the rock, collapse and pull myself up. And, and then as I pulled myself up this one time, I, I suddenly my eyes get, got, went to uh, tunnel vision and my, and it began this quick collapse. And I was like, what's going on here? Never saw this before. And to black, fade to black. And, and when it faded to black, I thought I, I was in, I was, I was afraid of this thing. Okay. I was, I, I didn't know what it was, but it scared me. And I, and when it went black, I realized that I didn't fall asleep, that I was actually still awake because I thought that I was falling asleep. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is going to, oh, that isn't what happened. I was awake. Only I, I, I didn't understand because I, I felt like I was upright. Uh, oh, but I couldn't see my legs or, or my body and my in interior vision suddenly opened up into this darkness and I could see in front of me uh, where the mountain should have been an, ex an infinite expanse of darkness and way far, far in the infinite distance, a pinprick of light appeared. And this pinprick rushed at me uh, faster than the speed of light over the distance. It was, it was as far away as a star at night. When you look at a star at night, it's, it's that far away. And in an instant, it was right at me. And it got bigger when it came and it communicated to me. And it communicated, I'm taking you. Only there were no words. It said it to my, my, my brain inside my head. I'm taking you. And I, I was like, no, you're not. And I struggled to put up all my will to and it just took me like I was nothing. And, and I was, didn't know what was going on. And as soon as I was taken and I was enveloped in this intellect, I had this, this super sense of the, the unlimited power of it. Once I, I was, I was a, I don't know, an ant compared to an elephant. I was a, a, a molecule compared to the sun. It just took me. And I was, no longer afraid. I was suddenly in comfort. I, and I, and in intellect, it was communicating comfort to me, like directly to my soul and carried me up the proverbial tunnel. Only it didn't look like a tunnel. It was like this, because it was still this huge expanse, but it was like, I was, I was in the darkness. There was another darkness that was a tunnel. And, and the next thing I knew, 
I was, I, it either became this entire infinity or I went through a barrier and I was suddenly inside uh, an infinite, again, the size of the universe, only I am the only one in it. There is nothing else. And I can see it's total darkness, but I can see there's, and I can see that it's darkness. And I, I describe it as when you go into a dark room at night and you close the door and the shades are down and the lights are off and it's like, you can't, you can't see in the darkness, but I could see in the darkness. And the, the first impression I had was expansion. I was like, whew, like I inflated, I'm bigger. And I was myself again. And I was, I thought to myself, this is me. How, how did I forget that this is me? This is, this is who I actually am. Mm -hmm. I thought that was me, but this is me. And I was comfortable and I was utterly alone and completely unafraid. And I could see in every direction at once. And I could see that I didn't have any, I could see no things. I was in a place of nothingness. There were no things there. And, and that included time. There was no reference to anything except for that I was feeling good. I'll stop for a second and let you guys get a word in. No, 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 no. Go, Keep go, going. go, go. Keep okay. going. Okay. 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 So it's amazing. <laughs> so I'm in this, I'm in this space. Um, I, I, I often describe myself and these are all metaphors because the language of all, all mystics, is metaphor, metaphor, symbol, and myth. You don't mm -hmm. get anything else. Um, because I'm in a, in a place where, where there is only otherness. And 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 it, it is so other that there is no, I just said a minute ago, there's no reference point for myself in this infinite space, but there's no reference point for anything because there is nothing there. I'm not even a thing anymore. Nothing that I recognize as a thing. And so I'm in this comfort space of myself wondering what's going on, seeing in every direction at once in this illuminated darkness. And, and, and there's, because there's no time, I had to construct a sequence of events to tell the story, but this is timelessness. And what timelessness I, as I experienced it was the, the all totality of all time that's ever existed all in one place at once and no time at all. So it's this, I don't know how to describe it, but you can't, I can't, yeah. and it's, it's timelessness. And so then this, like a, a portal opened in front of me, the, the, uh, as I, one of the things about near death experience is that the longer, you, the longer away it is in the past, the deeper you dive in your meditative life into your meditation, not seeking the answers to the questions you're asking, but just seeking the oneness of being, the more you remember, the more your soul speaks to your brain about what happened. So I've, I've, I've for a long time described this experience, and I describe it this way in the book, as like a portal in front of me. And I can see through this portal, and it's this flowy, shimmery, transparent, translucent, and also... Um, solid flow of light and i can see through it and, and there's another tunnel that's that's that bends far into the infinity itself and i've come to think of this now as as the the light came right up to me because it was it was it and i reached out with myself and i touched it with my being and when i touched it with my being which is very attractive it was like very attractive. I wanted to touch this thing and I had no fear. And I, when I touched it, it was all livingness. 
all livingness of all of the universe. It was the origin of all, all, all life, origin of, of life itself. It was life itself. And it flowed into me. And, and then all these things happened. I, I heard my name called. Like Peter? My, Peter? No, no, no. Okay. Not Peter. Peter, Peter is the, I've come to understand that Peter is the form that I have here, but it's not me. This was the calling of this of the origin of my soul. This was the speaking. I, I talk in Christian language, but I could speak in another metaphorical language, but I'm most familiar with Christian language. This is the origin of the the calling of my the origin of the of the beingness of myself. I was it's that which calls me into being. Do you know what your name was? Can't say it. It's it's there's no words, no lips. There are no lips. There are no concepts. There are no it was the it 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 my soul is my name. So I have a question. Yeah. How did this change you for coming back here? And I want to get into how you, how you, you know, came back to, to us, but how, how does this change your perspective? on? Was it, was it like a movie? No, no, hold on. Hold on one second, Mike. Let me, let me, All right. like, how does this change? Does anything matter for you on here now? The only love, love matters for me here. Love and my family. I came back to help my family. But like money, the rat race, like, uh, you know I what I mean? I, I, there are those in my life who wish it mattered more. <laughs> I'm off if I put it that way. I, I, uh, I, I came back an entirely different person. And I was going to go into the family architectural firm. I was, I was an undergraduate. I was going to go to graduate school where my sister was already in graduate school. Uh, I was going to go to, uh, well, I won't, I won't mention the name of the school. And um, I was going to go there and join the firm. And we were going to, you know, make a million bucks. Um, mm -hmm. And that, I, I no interest in that anymore. Right. Uh, so, so, you're still there. You're still there though, right? Like. Uh, it never goes away. Right. That's what it, I read in the book. And I don't understand that. Like you're here with, you're here, you're here now, but, but like, you're still thinking of yourself there. Yeah. Because, and that's my perspective. That's really the biggest difference is that I no longer, <clears throat> there was this book. I'm going to talk about it in terms of a book, a book by the name of um, death comes for the archbishop by a woman named Willa Katha. And it's a story of this bishop 150 years ago, and he's in the Southwest. And, and as he dies, he's, the last scene, I'm going to ruin it for everybody. In the, last scene, <laughs> in the last scene, he's lying in bed and he describes what he sees as if he's looking through uh, someone else's eyes. And that's he's looking he's looking from inside out through other people's eyes. And that's yeah. kind of the way it feels to me. It's that. I'm always, I always know that, and I can distract myself, like I can distract myself away from this, but I can't ever change my vision of the world. I can't ever pretend that everything is real around me. So what why? did this being, the, 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 the NDE still goes on. This being said something to you, right? When you oh. were there. Oh yeah. What did the being say to you? The, the, well, um, or convey the first the first thing that happened to me is uh, well it called my name it showed me it showed me the origin of myself as i was um created uh eons and eons ago in time and space as a a, a photon 
is the way I talk about it now, like a singular photon made and uh, made out of all of the quadrillion times a quadrillion photons times a quadrillion infinity of the beingness of God. I was exactly the same as all of that, but separated and limited in form. It's super limited in form, a single tiny, tiny thing of this massive, massive thing. Um, and I was created and I could see that my soul was long very it had it had it, it was even though i was in timelessness i could see that it's it, it was the paradoxically just created and around forever um and i then went through a hell of my own making as peter i i in ordered in order to um for what happened after that i had to go i had to let go of all my karma um, and my karma was the, all of the pain I gave to everyone in my entire life from their point of view. And as I gave it to them, I didn't realize that I was giving it to myself. Of course, how did I, how did you know? You don't know. Um, and what did you feel as that was happening to suffering, you? Suffering, just suffering, suffering, suffering. Like I'd never felt before the greatest amount of suffering, all the great, it was like, it was like all of the suffering of my life. And all of the lives around me condensed into one point and then shoved inside me. And, and it happened like a, in a sequence of events. And I experienced it from their point of view and from my point of view at the same time. And, and I judged myself as guilty for having caused pain that they didn't deserve. And it was all based on my judgments. I was making judgments about why I should hurt them. And, you know, it wasn't always about fisticuffs, you know, it was about, right. you know, the, the nasty word or the, you know, the, whatever it was. Uh, and they were all there and they all ran like a movie, like a sequence. <laughs> um, but they also, because of timelessness, all happened like all at once. And um, I judged myself as guilty, but, but I judged myself as guilty because the self-evident nature of the divine was, was infinite love. And so when I saw myself in comparison to the purity of being, I saw myself as utterly impure. And meanwhile, the voice that has no sound, that I am in this ocean, okay, it's, it's around me, it's distant from me, it's right up next to me, and it's speaking inside me. And it's saying to me, I love you. I made you. I'm creator. You're a creature. I've always known you. There's nothing about you that is unknown. It showed me this. It wasn't like giving me a speech. It was showing me this. And it, I was, I forgive you. I love you. And it made me see that all the suffering that I was causing, that I had caused in my life, was no different than the suffering anybody else was causing in their life. There was no like gradation. There was no worst suffering or better, or, you know, less than suffering, because the perspective was infinity versus finiteness. Mm -hmm. So it's the, when you're, when you're on the surface of the moon and you look at earth, it looks smooth. Right. We know it's not, but that's the way it looked to me. It looked like everything. There was this great equality of brokenness of, of, of humanity of that. We, that we are made it's it, as the way we are made in order for the world to exist the whole universe to exist, there has to be brokenness and the brokenness isn't our fault. Mm -hmm. And, and, but I made choices. And I want to read an excerpt from your book real quick. Sure. On the other side, there is no time. Time does not exist. And I know you, you, you went over this time exists here. Time moves, moves forward here. And we can look back in history and think about time. Time is entwined in nature, in the physics of this three dimensional world. 
in time, there's a sequence of events. Here, one thing happens, and then the next thing happens, and then the next. On the other side, time does not exist. Time happens, hold on, time, nothing happens in sequence. So did everything happen all at once to me there? I don't know. It is eternity over there, not forever. Forever is a measure of time. Eternity is outside of time. You were other people there, right? You, you were feeling other people's emotions wherever that dimension was. So that's th th that was life-changing to me when I read that. Your book was amazing, by the way. And anyone listening to this, everyone should pick up Heaven is Beautiful by Peter Panagore. You can be or do anything you want on that other side, and there's no judgment. There was no suffering. How could there's there's when there's no suffering, there's no judgment. They, they, all the all the all of the negative things of this world just they just don't exist there. Right. So there's not like a choice. They're, they they have no there's no time like there's no you're not bound by this body so why why are we here <laughs> if it's so if it's so great if it's so great over there are are we here to learn lessons I don't know the answer to that question <laughs> I don't know all I know I can say this that that to me this is the stupid place I'm stupid here I right. am like really stupid here i my brain is in the way of my thinking when i was in the other side my i had no brain and i could think at rapid i could think i, I could think at rapid speed which just sounds so like silly to say but I, you become superhuman did you meet other you souls no i didn't meet other souls and yes i, I it's superhuman and I yeah. and i didn't make myself that way like like i didn't choose this thing it happened to me it was done to me so did your soul want to want to be peter panagore here did you feel that you don't know no nope. no i was done with that i was done no. with that because that was like a skin i was wearing it never was me it was like the sweater i have i i, I know today i'm gonna wear this gray sweater right you know tonight i'm gonna take it off tomorrow wear another one and that's what it was like so I, are we there and here at the same time yes yeah and more more there than more here there than here so what what piece if you can consider are we a drop in, of the ocean here right now? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I feel like we're finding out the meaning of life right now, Eric. This is unbelievable. Yeah, no. It, the body itself is the is the filter. Yeah. So, and and it's it, but so is the world. The whole thing is all made of the same substance. You know, as physics advances, and they, I think they found a new quark this week. Right. <laughs> you know, right. we're gonna keep digging and digging and digging, and we're gonna we're gonna find out at the bottom. It's not turtles all the way down. We're gonna find at the very bottom. It's love. It's the divine self, and and I, that's what makes us be. And why are we here in in this place of suffering? I don't know the answer to that, Eric. I I, I don't even ask that question anymore because I know I'm not from here. I know right. I'm not from here and I'm not staying here and I'm not interested in, in finding and in, in troubling my brain, seeking an answer that I know that I knew on the other side and, and I knew that on the other side. Okay. Mm -hmm. it, and it's much more complicated that I could, even if I could remember what it is, it's I, what I remember about it is that it was way beyond my understanding, even over there. So what, how, hold on, how long were you physically dead for here? I don't know. How I long was, did it feel over there, though? Did you feel like you were there for? A oh, moment? I was there for. I, it was a long time over there. I five minutes, I, ten minutes. I was in timelessness. <laughs> I don't really know, but I. <laughs> but all these things happened. All these things happened, and so, 
So not only did I go through this hell of my own making, and and I just I described the the purgative fire, the the divine fire of purgative love, which I stole from Catherine of Genoa, which is like it burned it out of me. I suffering burned out all of this. Like uh, you know, we just went through Christmas with a Christmas Carol, and you know the uh, Marley. These are the chains I forged in life. Those chains were all released from me, and I didn't. I wasn't my effort to make that happen. All I needed to do was was witness, be witness to the love that was in, infinite, and turn my heart toward it. And when that happened, I was infilled with the like the oneness of being. And what did it, that, yeah. what did what that it, feel like? What that love feel like? I love my son and daughter. I love I love my children. I love my bro. I I love you, Peter. I really like. I I look at my kids. I look at my wife. I look at my mom. I, I love my dad, even though I he's not here physically. That's the first thing he said when he came through that medium is, "Nothing has changed. I'm just not with you physically. Nothing has changed. I'm still the same person I was down over here. I still love you over here. What did that love that you speak of in this book? If you if I did a word search for the word love in this book, it would be yeah. like 5,000 times. What did, I love my children. That's, That's what that, it's that, like. That's what it's like. Only, only it's that times a quadrillion. How's that, how's that possible? Like what? I, I love my kids. How much more can that get to? Well, imagine every father that's ever lived says the same thing. And then imagine that oh. on every, you know, we're not probably not the only species on, on, you know, in the I universe, right? I believe it. So Absolutely. on every planet, everywhere, every father who's ever loved a child, uh, whatever DNA, if they have DNA, um, all of that time, it's just, it's immensely greater than that. It's so, right. it, it, this, the beingness of God is compassion itself. It's selflessness itself. It's it's every time your kid cries in the middle of the night when and you get out of bed, when you got to get up early to go to work in the morning and you go in that room and you might be a little grouchy because you got to get up. But as soon as that you get to the kid's bedside and the kid's crying in fear, you're like switch on. It's yeah. that kind of uh, selfless compassion where you protect and comfort the innocent. Um, who, who is the reason for your being. So that's the meaning. The meaning to life is to be compassionate to others. Yes, it is love. And if I were going to create a species and, and, and put inside them a chance for, if I were the divine being and put inside the species itself a chance for seeing me, I would put it in love because Everybody carries, well, sociopaths, maybe not, narcissists, maybe not, maybe they do, I don't know, but, but everybody else experiences love in all these different ways, the way you love your brother, the way you love your father, the way you love your kids, is all these variations of it. It's all of those loves all piled into one times another huge number. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is, I, there was so much well-being I had so much well-being that I had not a concern for the for the safety of a single human being eternally at all. Wow. Cuz like my obviously as a father my biggest fear is my life's goal is to make sure that my children are taken care of, right? That they're going to grow up one day and they're going to have fulfilling lives. Um and you know, right now they're young, so I have 
that urge in my body that I'm my job isn't done yet. And I doubt that I'll ever feel that my job is ever done. But at the time, did you have children? I did not have children at the time. I did the second time I died, I had children and a granddaughter. So how did that how how did that feeling go away? Because like that's my that's that's why I do everything that I do is for my kids. So when you're there and you realize you're not there to protect them, to help them physically at least, what, what does what happens? Well, I, I was in a similar circumstance at the time. My older sister had vanished when I was, gosh, I think I was 14. And um, my mom had this long period of brokenheartedness, let's say, uh, that was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And when I was dead, I, 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 I thought about my parents. I thought, well, you know, I'm, do I have to stay? God's like telling me, come home, come home, come home, be with me now. And, 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 the, I think I started thinking about my parents. I was like, well, they're going to be okay. And so in an instant I could, I was swept to the edge of like this place where, where, where heaven becomes the material universe. And I'm up like up above earth, peering down with, with, you know, when I say God was next to me, but God was everything like earth and all the people and all the universe and so, so much more. And so as I'm looking at all these human beings in, re in real time, so now I'm on the edge of timelessness in actual time. And I can see, but I can see every single human being, 7 billion people. Like I can see through the planet and see everybody individuated. Like. Wow. And, and the, the voice and they're all, everybody's covered by a veil. Nobody can see what I see. Mm -hmm. right. And the voice says to me in the way that I love you now, I have always loved you. And this way of being loved is it's, it's joy and bliss and adoration and beauty and understanding and wisdom and paradise and selflessness and compassion and wholeness and healing and and adoration and awe and it's all one thing it's not like separate they're all together and it's infinite and the st the state of my well-being is permanent i am i am incorruptible in my soul and in my consciousness in the presence of by the of made by the creator and in that, in the voice said to me, all is well, all was well, and all will be well because of my love. And that's, uh, I took that quote from Julian of Norwich, but that's what I heard, that all is, was, and will be well because of my love. And I could see my parents' faces as this was being said to me. And I could see like two tracks. I could see their life without me and their life with me. And their life without me was abject, well, not abject suffering, but suffering, more suffering, extra suffering, another child gone. And then their life with me was less suffering. And the voice said, when they die, which is really soon, because I'm in timelessness, so the, and the length of my life is the snap of my fingers. That's what I see. That's how long my life was. And I knew that my parents would be well, too. And I just had to basically wait for them. Um, but, but you know, they would probably be there in an instant. Right. Anyway. But I also knew that there was going to be this long period from their point of view that it was going to really be terrible. Right. Right. You saw, so, so this, uh, this is a, I don't want to say a conspiracy theory of mine, but I feel that our lives are mapped out. 
so you saw your parents' life here on that track of you not being here and them suffering and being in pain and living the rest of their days on earth in abject misery because they lost two children. Is there a future? Like, is, is our, I, I, I'm a writer, okay? I've written books. I write screenplays. I'm, I'm on the verge of some pretty big stuff on, in, in, in LA. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've written 20 books. Um, wow. Yeah, no, this one, this is the big one, Monsterland. And, you know, they're trying to turn it into a movie the whole night. Yeah. yeah, no, believe me, we have a lot to talk about. And um, one book I wrote called Heavenwood, because I am I love afterlife stuff. I love near-death experiences. I'm Raymond Moody. I've been studying this stuff since I was a child. Um, and it was about this guy who lives a horrible life, a boring life, and he dies. He's about to go on a date and he dies. And he, he meets a team of writers and they're the angels. I wrote this when I was in college. And he... He says, "Why do my why this why is the script over?" He said, "They said that's it. We wrote your script. That's it. The script's done. Now you have to write your next script." And and he's given the task to write his next life. Mm -hmm. And he's given, "I'm going to be a billionaire. I'm going to have girls and money and cars." And he realizes that it's all it's all for naught. That it's it's really it's the love that you talk about. It's it's being there for people. It's the compassion and 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 man, you know, I was I, I should I should revisit that script. That was a really good script. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, but it, it was called Heavenwood, and it was about how Hollywood is really heaven. That these, that our lives are all predetermined. Is did you get that feeling that you saw your parents' life? You, no, th there is free will. There's free will. There's probability. Is the way I've come to describe it. And explain and I, that, please. Well, I I can explain it this way. I can explain it two ways. Yeah. One, um, I chose to come back to mitigate my parents' suffering. I couldn't eliminate it, but I could mitigate it. And so when I came back in this world, their timeline changed. Not only their timeline changed, but all the timelines around me changed. And that gets back to what you were saying, Eric, uh, asking about is, is that nobody could see this but me. My perspective is that I changed the entire world around me. Not like the big, huge world, but the, the relationship world. Uh, right. uh, and and then I had kids, you know. Then I met this woman, and 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 that we had kids, and I got a granddaughter. It's like this this timeline just keeps playing out. And so, and when I made that choice, I said, "So I'm up there. I can see my parents' faces, and I and I I say, do I have to stay? Can I go back and help my parents? Can I help them?" Um, and the voice says, "I want you to stay. It's your time." But yeah, you can go back. Are you terrified? Kid. I'm sorry, but like, I'm sorry for interrupting. Were you like, sorry, God? Like, you know, I don't want to go against no, you, God. No, no, no. It was very familiar. It was like super. I was utterly, totally known. There was nothing about me that was an unknown. Like, if my dad came to me and said, "You better come here now," I'd be like, "Nah, I'm not going, Dad." He would have. He would have. He would have tortured me. He would have kicked my ass. You're telling the all loving creator. Well, it's oh, just love. It's, yeah. It's just, I mean, so how did you die the second time? I didn't think I would ever ask somebody how they died the first time, but how they die the second I, time? I, I, I had a heart attack. I had my, I, we have a genetic thing in my family. My sister who vanished you, long story short, um, we eventually found her again and she hadn't died. Um, oh, but good. about seven years ago, she, uh, we, Sure. That's a long story. Anyway, she died of a of a heart attack at, in her fifties. My grandfather died in his fifties of a heart attack. My dad should have died, and I should have died. And in me, what happened was I had a blockage that it was probably the doc said started when I was born, and uh, I died of a heart attack. I was fit too. I was running, doing yoga, mm -hmm. you know, staying fit and healthy. And what was that? What was that NDE like? 
Uh, well, it was painful for one thing, um, because the heart really hurt. Um, but I was completely calm. One of the one of the after effects for me is that for most of us, I dare say, uh, that we're not afraid of dying. <laughs> dying, well, dying can really be terrible. Like it can be very full of suffering, but death, death is easy. Really? And and so I was utterly unafraid. Like I'm not afraid. I'm. Go it's my day to go. Didn't know it. Were you afraid to come back? Mm -mm. No. And so what happened is I, I was in the ambulance. I live in a rural place and it's a long drive to the hospital and I died on the way. And I will, well, the same angel met me, this, mm -hmm. this entity, this, this intelligent entity, I call it an angel. Cause that's the nomenclature that we have. Right. But there were no wings. There was no, you know, halo. And it was just, it was an, it was an energy of love that was intelligent that came rushing toward me that I recognized and knew this time and went with. And as I went with, I thought to myself, Oh, let me, let me make sure everybody's good. And so I turned around, I looked inside myself, uh, and I saw some circumstances that uh, weren't good and decided, I I looked back up, the angel had receded. I looked back up, the angel's like, come on, come on, come on. And I just turned around and went back in my body again. I didn't ask this time, I just went. Mm -hmm. And I And the reason why I chose to stay is because of my granddaughter who had just been born. Uh, my daughter had married a childhood sweetheart, uh, had some uh, trouble in his upbringing, uh, went to Afghanistan, witnessed terrible things, um, like many of our Marines came back uh, unwell. Mm -hmm. And uh, my granddaughter needed me and so did my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I'm now, you know, here it is five years, almost six years later, um, I'm the I'm the father substitute for my granddaughter. They live in my town, and uh, it's been really it's been I did the right thing. I coming back right. was the right thing to do mm -hmm. for her. How's your heart now, by the way? Just uh, it's pretty good. You know, had some damage um, as a result because it's right. it, it was it's such a I live a couple, I live an hour and a half from the cath lab. So by the time I it was hours before I got fixed up. So, but it's all good. We're good. I'm, good. I ran I ran yesterday. I'm going to run today. So. Keeping it strong. So shifting gears a little bit, um, we're big believers in uh, archangels. Well, explain how it came about. Yeah, in 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 magic with a K. Um, you know, again, another reading with our father, and this it wasn't the first reading that we went to. Um, but he was basically apparently before our, before our father passed away. We asked him for the secrets of the universe. He said, Dad, when you get there, I don't know where it is. Can you tell Eric and me the secrets of the universe? Because we're we wanna we wanna live out the best lives we can here. And he came through one reading, and Eric, I apologize for interrupting. Quite um, but uh, he said, "You gotta you gotta work with the archangels. You gotta work with with angels. They're on tap for the slightest prayer, for the slightest request." And that's the Psalms. Yeah. Do you are you are do you work with angels? Are you familiar? No, I I, I made a I, I I made a different choice. Um, I, by not going to graduate school in architecture, I chose to study mysticism and for a graduate degree. And the reason why I did that is in order to create a, a, a concepts, concepts inside my head so that I could understand what happened to me. And in the midst of my research, uh, the history of Western, primarily Western mysticism, I discovered that I could do that, or I could take another route, uh, which is back directly to the oneness of being itself. 
instead of instead of into any of the fragmentations of it, mm. uh, but to aim at the one thing itself. And so I've spent my whole life in my interior practices of prayer, meditation, yoga, all these things I do is has only one intention. And that's and I never ask for living a good life. I never ask for give me the, you know, the the new car or, you know, it, I'll ask for other people. If people want if people want to want me to pray for their physical healing, I will. But, you know, I, I, I know that the physical body is a temporary place and you're and often, you know, we're better off on the other side. So my aim isn't to communicate with anything other than the oneness of being. And I'm not interested personally um, in any of its manifestations. I'm just interested in being in the presence itself. And the thing is, is that when you when you cultivate the divine presence itself, an opening to the divine presence itself, then all these other things happen. All these all these magical things happen in your life. The, the, the radiance builds inside yourself that becomes like a bubble of your life. So, so we were talking about probabilities before, right? You, yeah. you asked me about the probabilities in life. And so when I died, I made this choice. Um, when I was coming back, I said, I, I said, do I have to live? Do I have to stay here? God says, no, I want you to. I said, can I come back here to this oneness of being, to this union, place of union with you? And God's like, yeah, you come back here. And I said, I choose to live my life. God says, you won't live your life. And boom, I get sent back. And as I go, I have a, that much time to make a decision. And the voice said to me, make a choice. And I could see uh, like, a, like the butt end of a a suspension bridge cable with a million entry points as if each cable was an entry point and I could choose between any of them to go into this life. And all of them were probabilities for the life I would live back in my body as Peter. And, and so, and in the middle of this cable was, was the intensity of the, of the light itself. It was like, it was the cable was made by the light, but it became more intense to the, to the center point of entry and I remember thinking, I like my bohemian uh, life and, and desire to be a writer. <laughs> and like, so I didn't choose this center point. I chose off to the side of it. And, and when I entered into it, I saw all of the probabilities. I saw all of the probabilities of all of those lives. And then I saw inside the path that I chose all of the probabilities as well, all of them based on my free will choices that I make in interaction with the 7 billion people on the planet who are in the same situation I am. So there's always this complexity of, of change. It's like Yoda said, uh, the future is difficult to see. It's always moving. That's because everybody's always making decisions, but there's all these probabilities. And the way that my life is lived in the real world is that I see, I see my life before it happens. I don't like have visions of airplanes crashing and, you know, tidal waves coming. I just see my life as it unfolds. Oh yeah. I've been with these guys before. I think to myself, I see your faces like, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, and, and that's the way it's been for me all along every day. It, you know, and how do you tell people that? Especially right, right. You know, now I tell you because I'm, I'm, I'm open about it, but people think you're crazy. And so you just, you shut up about it. Well, that, that was my next question. What do you say to the naysayers? Are you like, you, just wait? Just wait. You'll find out. You don't have to believe me. I have never, ever tried to convince anybody. I am not, I am strictly right. not an evangelical. I do not right. try to convert a single person because you're going to find out for yourself. 
So what we've been described of is that if you're a narcissist or overall, like a, a person, you know, you can do evil acts by accident or you're coerced or you're forced to be doing evil things. But if you love evil or if you, um, you know, if you get off on evil, you're technically stuck in, you know, you're further away from the light, right? Is is that is that something that you can have what experience do you have with that so to speak well i've 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 met people who radiate evil i've met people who radiate darkness i met i've I've been in the presence of people whose whose aura is like suck in light Mm -hmm. um and consume it um i you don't get that with us do you one of you (laughs) oh no oh no (laughs) I'm a sucker for the Kardashians. If that's if, if that's the purest evil that I could be, you know. <laughs> well, no, probably they're they're run of the mill, probably. Yeah, yeah no, no. Yeah. I, no, darkness is this thing where where it, if you're blind, you can't see. That's just the way it is. And you right. can't make people who can't see see. They have to see it for themselves. Right. And and you can bring love to them, but some people are, are incapable of it. But that doesn't mean that when they leave their biology, that they don't have an opportunity to be in the oneness of being in the divine presence of love. Right, right. They have to see, like when you said that, you know, you saw all the suffering that you caused. If they accept that suffering, they can move on. Yep. But if they can't, then they won't. Were you physically there? Like it, you, you said, you said like it was like ten thousand eyes. You saw in front of you, behind you, up, down, left, and right. I don't remember what that's like since I've been in, inhabiting this meat suit. But like, d- did you, like, you remember this, right? Like it was like you going from this room to the next room, and yes. you remember going into that next room. Yes, and the weird thing is, when I was in that next room, I didn't have a brain. So one of the first things I had to think about when I came back was, how do I remember this? Right. And uh, right. plus, I didn't even know, uh, this is 1981, and I didn't, I never heard of this before, and I couldn't Google it. I didn't even know what words right. to use. I right. was, uh, all I know is that, is that I'm now uh, an alien inside my body, and I, and, and ev- nobody knows this, and right. that, and that I now brought back with me memories of the other side but i also knew i had no biology over there so what's the interface how do i remember this thing where's the where's how do i how do i tap back into this again and right. uh there it is there i am yeah. do you um, believe in mediums i think i don't i don't believe in them but i know that there are mediums mm-hmm. um i don't it, it's it, i know that there are charlatans yes. but i know that there are mediums uh, i i have had I've had ghost experiences. Like right. what? Can can you tell us? Um, yeah, I I'm a stilt walker uh, for parades, local parades. I put on okay. stilts and costumes, and I walk in parades. It's it's, it's incredible. Really, it's really fun. <laughs> and, um, incredible. I've been doing this for a long time, and uh, upriver. I live on. I live at the Bonava Peninsula, and there's this river. And upriver is this town that had the Pumpkin Fest parade, and it's their big famous weekend. And and the river runs between these two towns on this short little bridge and it is, it's a tidal river. So it's salt and it's deep and it's fast. When the tide turns, it's a very fast channel, lots of water, narrow space. And I was in this parade and as I'm, uh, I should back up a second and say that I didn't know where the parade began. 
And so I grabbed my iPad and I, you know, where's the parade begin? I look it up. And the first article comes up is this story of the, of the Shriner. You guys know what Shriners are? They're like, they drive in the little go-karts and they wear the fezes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a group of these Shriners with these go-karts who do this parade. And three years previous on this bridge, this Shriner hit the ramp. You know, they put this little ramp and they did He hit it wrong. He flipped over, hit his head and died in front of everybody. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was terrible. And I, yeah. you know, it was in the news at the time, but I like, oh my God, I remember that. I read the whole thing. And I go up, I find the way the parade starts. I get I, I do the parade. Now I'm I'm on the bridge. And I'm in the yellow on the double yellow line. There's sidewalks on the bridge. It's a two-lane road, and everybody's sitting on the sidewalks. And I look over and I see two of my neighbors. And I and I I I spin on one foot. I have a lot of momentum going forward. I have this long stride. And so I I I I put my left foot down and I, and I lift and I just turn. So I pivot like, and all of my momentum goes with me. And so now I just step out and, and I'm halfway across the single lane and I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to do one of my daring deeds, which is I stop short right in front of them and wow the crowd, which I've done a billion times. But as I step, I realized that I made a mistake with the bolts in my stilts. I had to replace the bolts in my stilts that day and I couldn't get the right gauge. And so I went one gauge down. And as I landed on my right foot, right in front of them, the stilt broke. And I had all of this momentum going forward. And I, and I was like, I am, uh, I, this is it. And so I started going over, over the crowd, over the railing toward the river. And as this happened, uh, I popped out of myself and I saw, I, I was like in two places at once. I saw from inside of myself going over the railing and watching the river coming up at me. And I saw myself outside. I saw my body out from the outside. And I saw this entity, this like gray amorphous cloud right behind me. And, and the next thing I knew, I'm back in my body again and I, and I go down straight. So I have all this forward momentum. And instead of going this way, I've designed, I've designed my stilts that if they ever broke, I would slide down one of the stilts. It's a design thing. And so that I, I could control my fall. And so instead of going this way, suddenly my, all of my momentum is going downward. And, and I hit the ground and everybody gasps. And I look up and there's one of my buddies. He's another runner athlete. And he's, he has his shirt off. And, it, and, and he's like, he's ready to go into the river after me. And he tells me that his other buddy, uh, this young fella, had also gone to the other side of the river. And everybody was like ready to go to save me, which was going to be impossible because I had stilts on in the river. And um, and then so, so everybody was like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. So I pick up my stilts and... I go to George's car. He's going to take me to my car. And as I'm sitting in the car, my phone rings. And and I'm telling George the story. And my phone rings. And it's this other near-death experiencer who's also a paramedic and a, a graduate, uh, just got her doctorate at Columbia and is a high school biology teacher. But she sees dead people. At She's a paramedic, sees dead people. And I'd, I'd been counseling her for a year um, because suicidality is a potentiality of near-death experience. And she says to me, he didn't mean it. I was like, 
Wow. You know, I just left the parade. I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're talking about. Tell me what you're saying. She said, "I was sitting in my living room, and suddenly this guy appears to me, and he says he didn't mean it. He wasn't trying to hurt you. And the, go the ghost tripped you. That's what I thought at first. I thought the ghost was trying to shove me off the bridge, but no, the ghost was shoving me down. Oh my God! Yeah. So 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 uh, I." And then it's it hung around me for weeks. It mm. like attached itself to me, mm. uh, not maliciously. It wasn't malevolent or any of that kind. It was kind of lost. And 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 it and she said to me that he did this because you, he thought you could see him. He wow. thought. And 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 so eventually I asked. I got. I figured out how to help send him home. So that was a long-winded way of saying um, people amazing. who people who die and come back see other things people don't um and so yeah i think that there are real mediums out there who are able to talk to the dead that's not my shtick mm -hmm. i'm more interested in trying to channel the light and the reason why i want to channel the light is because it can then speak for itself and then i don't need to have any words if i can just convey it to somebody directly like have them have an experience, a little tiny taste of it, then they can find out that they have it inside them and can seek it themselves. So do you know, like, do you know when third time the charm is going to be? Do you know when you're going to die? Do you anticipate it? Oh, no. I'm like, looking forward to it. I'm like, right. Like that's, charm. That was yeah. like a Dr. Strange thing when you felt, you, you've seen Dr. Strange, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that, that like where he comes out of his body, like right? That. Right. It, oh, that so, happens. That's I've had that kind of experience. Um, so that that thing when you come out of your body, that happens to rape victims. It happens yeah. in circumstances of trauma. It that, happens yeah. in abuse. Yeah. Uh, people pop out of their body and pop back in. Um, it's a it's a mechanism of some kind. I don't understand how it works. It just is. It's like a defense mechanism. It is. It's like a disassociation thing. Are you looking um, forward to going to the other side again, Peter? Oh yeah. I've spent most of my life praying for it. Really? Um, so and, how do you not, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, it's a big problem with people wanting to kill themselves to go back for near death experiencers. Like, so are you just here for the people that you love? Like, how do you control that when it's so amazing? I was, I was prohibited. Basically. I was told by creator that, I, well, I was told by creator that I was a creature is a way to say it, but a, a more accurate way to say it is I saw myself as creature in the presence of creator. And I knew that I didn't make me and it, not just Peter. I didn't make, I didn't make my soul. Peter's this ancillary thing. It's the soul itself. I did not create over which I have no choice whether it lives or whether it dies. And that, that same kind of ethic, carried into my life and so i was in i was depressed for a very long time right. um i lived in the, i was living in the land of darkness and i and and i could see the light inside but out here i couldn't see what i saw in the inside and it left me in despair and uh to in order to treat myself that's why i i, I went to study mysticism i went right. to figure out how to dive within because i figured the only way for safety for me was to be reconnected to it. I, I have two questions. Okay, I what, but I didn't really answer Eric's question yet. Yeah, no, okay. Right. Which is which is that which is that um people often come back with a great longing for the other side. And um 
there are those of us, not everybody, who has who have suicidality. Um, and so basically the idea is you're going to go sometime and you already know that. So why not stick around and see what you good you can do while you're here, even though it's suffering? Do you know when you're going to die? Nope. No idea. No, I, 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 the, all that probability stuff. When I get to that point, I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. I remember this. <laughs> right. But I... It, it, I, I know that I am going to die and I know that the length of my life is, is uh, a moment. Uh, and so that's another reason why I can endure it. And the other thing is, is that enduring life, the, the deeper I dive into the divine itself, the stronger I become in the world, the more I'm able to have courage in the world in order to deal with just living here. What do you have to do to get to that status? Uh, you got to do meditation mm -hmm. and, the, and there, there's no way around that. Uh, it either comes, it comes, it comes through grace, like God can do it to you. And um, I've had those experiences where I've, I've become more integrated in the world, not by my doing another mystical experience, but uh, around the world and every culture, there's always this combination of mental focus and breath work. And it, and, and it can be in, in flower arranging. It can be in uh, Sufi dancing. It can be in Qigong. It can be in sitting meditation, Gregorian chant. Uh, any of the any form that it takes, where the where the mind becomes, where the mind becomes focused on the breath, the and the and you take over the narrative of yourself. You no longer allow your mind to tell the story of who you are when you're when you're quieting your mind by using language or art or archery there's an opening there mm -hmm. and that opening there is this moment of peaceful nowness yes this isness and that is a collective thing you can collect that hmm. you can collect that and put it in your nowness bag because nowness hmm. is timeless right and so every time you tap into the nowness thing you get to keep it and so you never regress and you always progress, but it is a striving. You mm -hmm. have to strive. So like law of attraction, mysticism, uh, magic, uh, you know, all of those type of topics, you know, self-improvement, it's all basically just tied to the the divine of, 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 of the creator. So it's all just different forms, the religion and, you know, Buddhism and, you know, all of those signs and sigils and and just all of those things, it's all down to just the, the oneness of, of your soul. Yes. And if you can connect to that, you connect to all of it. You don't need all the other bullshit. No, because you then you get all the other bullshit. They all kind of come. You can choose, you can choose one thing and manifest that one thing in your life. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. Yep. And you can do that. And that's not bad or wrong or anything else. But if you do this other thing, you get all of those things and more. So you you you're a manifester, right? So you'll manifest what you want in your life. I only want the divine, and so I manifest my my whole aim of my entire life is to manifest the divine presence inside myself. To and and to do that, I have to just open the door and get out of the way. I'm the one that's in the way of this, and the more that I get out of the way, the more the door opens, the more the presence is manifested in me, the more that can manifest into into the world through me. So I'm not trying to attract with intention uh, a million dollars or uh, a a penny on the sidewalk. I'm I'm merely trying to attract the attention of the divine and let that live inside me and let everything else take care of itself.
because none of these things in the world, all of my desires in the world, none of them last. Not, all of them are fake. All of them are temporary. And, and so the only having seen the origin of my soul makes me understand that that's all there is. And why would I want to spend uh, my mental energy acquiring that which is temporary i mean i have to right because you got to eat got to pay the mortgage you right. got to you know raise the kids you got to do that stuff but not ultimately so wait your your hold on michael your soul i mean so our souls were created so does that mean that they can be destroyed I think my soul is being created. My consciousness is constantly being created. Wow. Um, and and I don't know about destruction, but I do know about obliteration and absorption, folding back into the oneness of being. When, it, when I've been in the state of, the, of union, we, uh, there is no self left. I am no longer present. And so I can't be destroyed if I'm not there. And 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 so in in the in the experience of of oneness, there is this. There's only the divine. What and is that? What I mean? What does the feeling of oneness even feel like? Put it in like layman's Cher terms. Cherry Garcia ice cream with whipped cream and hot fudge. <laughs> <laughs> on a hot summer day great <laughs> sign me up I'll, I'll, I'll take some of that there's a gun <laughs> hang my yeah. no, no, not making fun of anyone who committed suicide but I, I, I have a question what, what what do you say to people and this is kind of i asked this before but i want to go into this more what do you say to the science-minded people who are like you just hallucinated what i'm like you, yeah. maybe Let's let's see what the science says. Keep at it, guys. Keep researching. Keep researching. Keep researching. Because I I love science. I'm a science head. I mean that's how I that's how I know there's a new quirk, you know, that's been discovered because I read that stuff. Right. Right. Um, and so I'm all for that because I think that that the only way we're really act, there's only two ways we're going to convince everybody. Three ways, I guess. There's uh, there's an accumulation of evidence. There's tens of millions of us now saying the same thing. Right. Then there's the possibility that people can experience it for themselves uh, directly, their own mystical experience. And there's the way that when we can channel it to others, the light itself can be uh, experienced uh, in a collective of people when a person has the openness to channel the light through themselves. And then there's reason and empirical science. And the deeper that they go into science, the more they're going to discover. The more they are going to discover that we're like an antenna. That consciousness doesn't arise in the body; it arises outside the body and inhabits the body. And I can't prove that. And right. so my answer to the scientist is, "Show me. Right. Do your work and show me." Have you heard from your sister? No, my parents have heard from my sister. I have not. I don't get. I I don't get a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm not. I don't know why that is, but I don't. Uh, maybe I don't need it. Um, but right. my my parents have both been visited by my sister in the past two or three years, and wow. have received um, apologies. Wow. Apologies and love because she didn't realize what she was doing and forgiveness as a result and in the settling of my parents' hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been great, actually. Yeah, our our mother is a medium. She's a practicing medium. She's always kind of had the ability. And then when my father died, she actually started taking classes and taking lessons. And she's she's, she's, she's helping a lot of people. Good. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. 
yeah. there needs to be people like that in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone's interested, ladyphyllis.com. Yeah. Peter, what's what's not church? I get I get the alerts. <laughs> I, I I love them. And and I've watched a few of your sermons. I love that it's not church. That well, it's, it's your own universe. I love it. It's just it's so the it's so not mainstream. Yeah, it's totally not mainstream. Uh I I I chose to stay in Christianity. After, when I died and came back, I lost all of my belief in everything. I came back without, I didn't believe in culture or clothes or reason for dressing a certain way or whatever. And it, none of it was real to me. And I, under the advice of, of a professor, uh, when I explained the circumstance of my friend, I didn't tell him, of course, and I didn't right. describe the entire experience. Um, he advised me, he said, look, you can go study Hinduism. You can go study Buddhism. They all have mythologies. Mm -hmm. They all have uh, structures. But are you going to learn Sanskrit? Are you going to learn Japanese? Um, So maybe you might want to stay in Christianity because it has its own mystical stream. Mm -hmm. You're going to find what you're looking for there. And so I chose to stay in Christianity. And I developed, I worked as a pastor for 18 years doing lots of social work. I was basically the social work minister, uh, helping everybody who needed it. Uh, and, but I never bought into the whole idea that Jesus was the only one. And I had to lie from the pulpit the whole time. Wow. Um, because I see it inside of everybody. Everybody's got the light inside them. Even the dark evil people, they still have the light inside them. It, they're just further away. They're just further away. And so not church is basically mystical Christianity with a with a with a strong influence of mystics from around the world uh you know i've got my little bookshelf over here where i can grab i got the upanishads i've got pramahansa yogananda rumi uh the bible hafez uh chuang su um, have you heard of justin sledge he has mm, a channel on dr. youtube justin sledge. dr okay. justin sledge esoterica so our father um we we were raised Jewish, but we didn't study. Like I had a bar mitzvah, Eric had a bar mitzvah, but we were not like holy rollers. It was for the party. It was for the right. party, right? Okay. You know, our our grandfather was in the Holocaust, so we have a heritage that we respect. He, he survived. His entire family was wiped out That's in front good. of him. Oh yeah, God. and and he survived, and he lived till the ripe old age of seventy five, and he died after a weekend in Vegas. We came back from Vegas together, and he went baggage claim, and he dropped dead right at JFK. And we we speak to him all the time. He comes through all the time, um, but. Our father came through in a reading, and our our father passed when he was 69. He had lung cancer, and he beat it. He was a beast. He was an animal. He beat lung cancer. He was the longest living lung cancer survivor at Sloan Kettering, and he beat it, but the, C, the COPD got him. He didn't give up smoking. He was smoking cigars like crazy, coughing his brains out, and the COPD eventually got him. He died at 69, and you know, again, when we said, Dad, tell us about the secrets of the universe, and he says, Jewish mysticism is a huge, huge part of it. And and just recently I had a reading with George Anderson a couple weeks ago. He said not in a religious text, but heaven is like the seven fruits of the holy spirit. Look up the seven what was it? Mm-hmm. Seven seven fruits, right? Yeah, yeah, seven fruits. Seven gifts or the seven fruits of the holy spirit and I looked it up and it was like compassion, beauty, you know, all that stuff. Yep. And all that stuff. I'm diving down this this Kabbalah rabbit hole. And mind you, like we are not religious. We actually found out our father wasn't even Jewish. Right, I think his his mother was his mother, his mother was not Jewish. His mother was not Jewish. His father was, but like you know, we're learning all this shit as we go. But we started diving into the Kabbalah. Have you 
have you- I've, I've read it and I've read the Zohor but yeah. a long a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I, I can what I remember of it is that it was speaking my language. Yes. Because I, I want to say that I'm not religious either. That was actually right. I've never I'm not I'm not religious at all. Right. right. That's why not church. Right. Yeah. Not church. That's right. And the reason why not church. So that was a marketing ploy. The idea right. is that the my the people that are who are disaffected Christians who are mystic have had mystical experiences who can't fit inside. We we share a common language story. Right. And so I'm, it gives me shortcuts to talk about mysticism because they already know all the stories. So I'm right. able to rejigger the whole uh, mythology. Well, the, the problem is, is that they don't use mythology and right. reintroduce mythology and metaphor in order to help people see, for instance, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus goes through a calling, an awakening, a transformation, a, 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 and, and an enlightenment. Right. Like you and me. Right. What's, what's the next book you're working on? Uh, I'm working on two books at the moment. I'm working on a on a on the other part of my life, uh, which is as a mystic before I died and as a mystic after I died and the mystical experiences that uh, I've had in order to help people ex- understand the variety of mystical experiences, the def- definition of mystical experience, because I spent about 18 months touring little tiny churches in New England and quizzing all the congregations uh, before I spoke about whether they'd, who here had ever uh, been visited by the dead. Raise your hand. Yeah. And 50% of the congregation in every single congregation raised their hand after yeah. I cajoled them into it uh, because nobody wants to confess. It. And then I'd say like, so who here's ever told anybody? Everybody keeps their hand up. Who here's ever talked about it in church? Nobody. And you- I... Do religious people um, get angry with you? Do like holy rollers? I'll call oh, I'm it. an enemy. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of figured that. I'm an enemy partly because of what I teach, but partly because of who I am. Right. And um, so, yeah, I, I blocked a lot of people on YouTube um, sure. just because yeah. I don't need to be attacked. Uh, I mean, I, they can attack me if they want to, but I don't respond to trolls. I took media training. Don't yeah. respond. Don't respond to trolls. That's my media yeah. No, tip. we we learn yeah we learn that the hard way. When you hit, yeah. when, you get a, when you have trolls, you officially made it. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, it's like people taking their time out of their day to right. try to bring you down. It's like yeah, right. So right, you know. So what do the next five years hold for Peter and Peter's soul? Well, I get this. I get that book that I'm working on now. Uh, it's actually already written, and uh, that's my next project. And as I'm finishing what I'm working on now, which is my 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 book. Um, Heaven is uh, uh, heaven is beautiful has been picked up option for a film. Hey, amazing! amazing. Some really serious, wonderful, uh, well, um, you know, uh, producers that have uh, awards up and down both of their sleeves. We'll talk after. We'll talk after the show. Yeah, we We should. We should. And so I, but my book wasn't film ready, um, and so I've created a fictionalized version of it because I was an yep. English major and fiction is my dream. That's right? me. You know, I was an English literature, major. right? English major too. Yep. And so um, I, I'm fictionalizing the account. I've taken all of my girlfriends, gulp, I swallowed I do this, and my wife, and I've created a counterpoint character. Um, and Love so it. it's a fictionalized version, and I have two chapters left to write. I've been working on it. Um, for six months under their tutelage and i'll be done with it this week i hope and then we're going to try to you know bring it to my agent and bring it to my publisher 
I have a high power, high powered uh, entertainment attorney who's guiding my film career uh, and my book career. So we we're gonna when we, we sign should off, talk because I don't have an attorney. Yeah, no, it's it's a done deal. It's a done. She worships authors. So and I got her on a cold call, and it turns out she was a client of ours for thirty years our, of our parents' limousine service, and I had no idea. It's it, it's it's a before wild. We, before before we go, that brings me to synchronicities. What are your thoughts on synchronicities? And like, just as a for instance, this book. Uh, You'll appreciate this. This yeah, this this book. You know, yeah, my, my last Friday, I was ha- I was having a, just a bad day. I don't really ever have bad days, but I was just a negative Nelly is the best way I can explain it. So Michael and my mother, we were on the phone and they were kicking my ass. They're telling me, no, 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 knock it off. You can't do that. And then I get in the mail a, a package from George. And I know we, we talk about George Anderson a lot, but he 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 really has helped guide us in our lives. And I get a package from George and it's basically this book. And then I emailed him. I'm like, what's up? He's like, dad's always watching out for you. So dad, dad sent this book to me on the day I was having a shitty ass day. And um, and basically this is just, uh, you know, numbers of, you know, to uplift humanity. It's the codes of the universe. It's the Shambhala. Uh, you you saw it. You said the word exactly. You're like, oh, the Shambhala. Well, why why did that real roll off my lips so easily today? Because yeah. this morning, oh in a conversation God. with somebody else, she brought up Shambhala. Do you know Shambhala? I like. Oh my. Oh, God. Yeah, let me think about this for a minute. Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that. So like ten years ago is the last time I came across it, or five years ago. Right. But and then it was today. Isn't that amazing? Synchronicities. I want to just close out. I listen, I could probably talk to you for another five more hours, Peter. I want to I th- this two paragraphs here, like I've been thinking about day and night since I've read your book. Furthermore, as I've said before, and we'll say again, there are no words, no things, no body, no brain, no culture, no history, and no language. Here in this world, in our world, our height, depth, width, at width with and time there are things everything here is a thing including this book and you and me and rocks hills words brains molecules particles even the higgs boson is a thing everything is a thing here on the other side there are no things no thing exists there no time no things nothing no thing the most difficult task in telling this part of the story the most important part of my entire story is finding words to describe the indescribable I mean, it's poetry, man. I, it's thank you. Oh, really and truly, thank I, you. Really amazing. amazing. So, like the scariest thing, Michael. Okay, yeah. uh, it wasn't just coming out in this in this large way and exposing myself as you know for ridicule. Yeah, is was was will people like my writing? Oh my will, god, will my writing be like like? Well, that's the English major. It's like, is it going to be good enough? Uh, as a writer. As a writer, this is good shit. This is, this, you. This is A plus material. As a reader, I'm a voracious reader. Eric's more of a, a YouTuber. Eric's like, you know, the generation below me that he's got to watch it. Um, but me, I love to read. And your book, Heaven is Beautiful, everyone out there in Oak and Bros land, in YouTube land, go by Heaven is Beautiful. Listen to Peter. He knows exactly what he's talking so Peter, about. Peter, please plug away. Uh, let people know where they can find you. PeterPanagore.love. And I'm on, I'm on, I have a YouTube channel, not church. Uh, it, we're forming a, a mystical community of uh, people from all sorts of different religious, they're religious expats who are actually spiritual mystics who are now finding voice. 
Yeah. That's certainly the power of the internet where this stuff can't hide, be hidden anymore. Nope. No. So Peter, you're, you're doing, I mean, you, this was one of the like best podcasts we've ever done. I love oh. the way you spoke really and truly. Yeah. And, you, you helped, you helped me. Yeah. And I think it's going to help people in the audience to put things into perspective that, that not much matters here. Just, you have to love, you have to show compassion. And if you do that, you should have a pretty good life. And, and, and a better afterlife. Hell yeah. I shouldn't say hell yeah. Heaven yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Everybody, please like, subscribe, uh, check out Peter Panagore, and uh, we appreciate it all. If you have any uh, questions, please leave it in the comments below. Uh, we appreciate you all tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Peter, anytime you want to come back, you have a platform with Oaken Bros. Thank you so, so much for coming on. We love it. Thank you very much for having yeah. me, Michael and, and Eric. I'd love to come back. Yeah, thank you. Me. And uh, hang out for two seconds. Bye, everyone.